Warning, the following podcast episode discusses schools shootings. We acknowledge this episode is potentially distressing and it can evoke strong emotions to trigger traumatic experiences in some listeners. If you find yourself overwhelmed or distressed during this episode, we recommend pausing or discontinuing listening and seeking support from a mental health professional and trusted individual or a helpline. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to our second part of deep diving into school shootings and mental health. On our first part, we had Claudia Sotelo discussing what compassion fatigue is. And now for the second part. Yeah, and, and to kind of piggyback on what you were saying, Claudia, it's like, I'm a parent. And so as a parent, sometimes we set our own goals um, or think that we're alone right in the situation and now we have to especially us moms that we have to carry it all we're the spine of the family and we have to do it all and take care of it all so I, that's really important right there yes the parents get exhausted yes this is true it's even becomes numbing it even becomes numbing as okay you know like like dad sounds almost like robotic like okay last time we did one two three so let's do one two three again right but it's not necessarily, we can't say, how could he, blah, blah, blah. Because after a while, you do get numb. You get numb. Um, but one thing that's really important to remember is that that's why programs like MyCHN are even developed and created in the first place. Um, because you're not alone. And yes, you need respite. You need respite from this. And yes, there are points where even if you're a professional, like even myself as a counselor, uh, look for assistance from other professionals because we can't counsel our own family. We can't because they're our family and, you know, we're going to be kind of crossing over lines. So we all need that support. And that's the point here. Yes, it's exhausting. Um, but no one is saying you have to bear it all alone. This is why we have these teams and we have multidisciplinary teams, you know, um, to support you and kind of, um, catch you in those safety nets, but definitely, um, you know, this is why we have these programs to reach out. Okay. So my other question would be. I used to be a child that would get mad really easily, uh, but I kind of outgrew that. <laughs> so at what point is it just like hormones? Like at, at what point is it just like she's growing puberty hormones? And at what point is it like, hey, we need we need professional help here? Well, you know, I go back to what I learned in college and it's like any time that what you're dealing with is interfering with your daily life functioning, you might want to take some look in, you might want to look into it because it's impacting the way you're living your life. Because you're very right, Mariela. And, and that's the thing I, I feel too. Um, now it's like, oh, I'm anxious. It, it's such a bad thing. Guess what? We're human and we all feel the feels. It is absolutely normal to feel stressed over um, a test that you're going to have. It's absolutely normal to feel a little bit anxious if you're starting a new school. It's absolutely normal to feel a little bit of sadness or when, you know, your friend um, makes 
a poor choice and, and you argue and you feel rejected. That's part of life, number one. But number two, it's like, but how are we coping? What are we doing to deal with that? And if we're unable to cope in a healthy way, um, then we, we need some support in learning healthy coping mechanisms. Because if I'm stressed and I'm anxious and I'm depending on a substance, an altered substance to relax me, yeah, it may be, it may relax me and, and that's what my, my peers are doing, but it doesn't make it right. And it doesn't make it appropriate. If you're having, if, if mama says it's not okay, if it's illegal, and if I'm having trouble functioning in school because I'm so dependent on that. Because there needs to be, a, a, I think, accountability piece too. What am I doing to help myself first? And so that, that's where I see a huge gap, where there's, we're, we're losing that accountability piece. What can you do? Because what we do have in this world is everybody has a choice. And yes, our choices may be different based on where we're at in our lives. If I'm a minor that's living under the roof of my mom and dad, I may be limited in some of my choices. But guess what? I still have the choice to be to make a positive choice. I can still, if I am so angry about a situation, I can take some time to step aside and take some deep breathing. Um, I can do some deep breathing. I, I, if I can make a choice to, if my mom offers to take me to therapy, I can show up with an open mind and be receptive and participate. I have choice. <laughs> and I think that's something that needs to be addressed and, and just normalizing. It's okay. It's okay to not be okay. I kind of yeah. want to piggyback off of what you were saying. Um, about being uh, responsible and about thinking about how it influences other people. I was thinking like, doesn't that kind of um, perhaps uh, a cultural difference? Because here in America, we're all about individualism. We're all about me, me, me. And it's engraved in us from birth. And maybe Mariella can help on this since she used to be from another country too. Like, um, you know, even in pop culture, we glorify vigilantes you know batman and stuff i don't want to blame them because they're made up characters but the idea of getting revenge is sometimes um i guess glorified in the media sometimes in pop culture and movies and i think that just uh goes back to individualism and how it's all about you know you hurt me i gotta hurt you back you think that plays a huge impact compared to other cult other countries because i know a lot of these mass shootings, they're very popular here. You don't hear that much over there. Yeah, I think it's multiple factors. Like Claudia was also talking about the um, social media. Yes, we are, our world here in the U.S. Is, is distinct. You know, we are very, very focused on what's happening in the world online. However, one of the things that I've noticed big time is early exposure to violence, early exposure to um you know, sexual misconduct, things like that. So what I mean by that is a six-year-old playing a video game like Grand Theft Auto, you know, where you kill the cop and you pick up the prostitute, right? Or uh, maybe some uh, other shooting games. Um, they're not appropriate for certain ages. Um, or why does a three-year-old need to watch the movie It? 
Um, why are, you know, six year, five, six year olds um, watching Chucky and those kind of things. So I know that we have different perspectives because like we were saying, sometimes we want to raise our kids the way we were raised. And, oh, well, I watched that when I was young and look, I'm fine, right? So yes, this is true, but we never know what when it's not going to be fine. So it, it actually increases promiscuity if you present sexual uh, things too early also, you know, and then in the video games, people are now being seen as objects versus people. So the compassion, the empathy is being disconnected. And so then you add social media in there. And so there really is no compassion or empathy or emotional connected to the human beings. They become objects. And I think that that's where, where we are. Um, so hone in on these electronics that uh we don't think about that, but yes, I mean, the easiest way is for you to just go to like, I am the B sites or something and, and look up, you know, why is this rated this? Why is this rated that? And if you're okay with that. Um, so too soon, exposure to these things too soon can start creating uh, this image that people are, are not people. They're objects. They're not people with families who are other human beings. They're this little image from a video game. And I'm going to go in and just blow everyone up. Right. So I think that's a big thing. Yes. Yeah. I would also say that brings up a good um, point about maybe perhaps parenting. Because uh, sometimes parents just give their kids a phone because they don't want to deal with them. I mean, that's very, very common. I see that all the time. And, you know, with YouTube and all the things they can do, and then they buy them video games, so they'll play that instead of, you know, disrupting them, instead of spending time with them. Um, I really feel like parenting itself has really gone down quite a bit. And I don't necessarily know the cause of that. To me, it just seems like they don't want to deal with their kids. For me, I've seen that a lot. And then it is weird when... Uh, you go to like an elementary school and you see a bunch of young kids for Halloween dressing up as the squid games, you know, characters. And it's like, how did you watch oh, that? I know, I know. Well, on that particular one, that's another thing is that sometimes um, Netflix or those other programs can be a little bit sneaky about entering, you know, putting things in there or, um, you know, that kind of stuff. The images look friendly, but then they click on it and, it's violent, but now they're hooked, <laughs> so they're watching it. But um, when it when it comes to parenting, there you you definitely impact positively or negatively, and I think that um, one of the things that we do the most, like you were saying, is kind of like pushing them off, right? Because I had a long day and I have all this other stuff, and then here you come, and I just can't take it. So whatever you have to tell me, I'm just gonna dismiss it. Doesn't that and, go back into individualism then? Because then it's like all yeah. about you in a sense. So that's just like this cultural thing we have where we don't really think about other people. We're just thinking about us. We're not thinking about how our actions could affect, yeah. you know, our parents uh, or even our kids point. in the future. Another sure. thing that goes that goes back to like making sure that we're checking our own mental health and that we're checking ourselves and we're working through our own issues. Um 
because life happens, right? Somebody's, you know, they grew up in this situation and they didn't deal with their trauma and they, they're living the effects of it. And then now there's a child in the picture and now there's an additional stressor. And um, yes, I think our culture is very like, go out and get yours. There is a part to that too, but I think there's a lack of um, whether it's intentional or unintentional, but as a parent, you have to create space to be present in that child's life. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. That child is dependent on you. They belong to you. You created them. Mm-hmm. And there needs to be an intentionality for I'm going to create a space for you. Yeah. And what does that look like? And and we find and what I've seen and what and what I've heard is that basically, I mean, two basic functions is people want to be seen and they want to be heard. Hey, mom, do you see me? I'm here. You know, and I'm creating a space where I'm, you know, yes, I'm washing the dishes and I'm because I'm washing the dishes. I'm trying to prep for dinner and this and that. But you know what, sweetheart, come join me. Come help mama wash the dishes or, hey, give me give me 10 minutes and let's have let's sit down and have dinner together. Yeah. Let's create a space for when I'm picking you up. Yeah, we're having conversation. And because we're so caught up in our own world. We 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 sometimes make that mistake. And so yeah. I think that's that's something that we we need to be more present in the lives of our children. And also in going back to individualistic, the phrase, it takes a village to raise a child. And it truly yeah. does. It truly does. It's it's multiple people in the community. And like Anna said earlier, receive the help. Be willing. There is help out there and there is nothing wrong with asking for it. You know, sometimes too, when my parents come in and they want to be here and they want to be, but and that's great, but we also need to create a space to, hey, let me take, let me, you know, you're coming here because you need support. Trust my judgment. Trust my, trust my training. Trust, trust the process. Trust what we're doing here and, and, and be committed to it. Right. Um, and so I think, I think I that's a piece. Well, yeah. With the quality versus the quantity of the time for the kids. You know, you can say, oh, I've been with them all day. Okay, but what have you really done? You know, being in the same room is not the same. You know, they'd probably get more out of you out of, you know, 30 minutes of undivided attention versus all day of you doing other things next to them, right? So the quality versus the quantity for sure. But um, I think that, that, that you're right. A lot of times parents have a lot of their own un- unresolved issues and their own anxieties and their own things do rub off on the kids. Um, but I think that, that that's where the hardest part is, accepting that you you can't do it alone. Once you kind of get over that hump, everything else falls into place. Think about what the security was in your schools, um, because I could tell you, I went to very poor schools here in Houston. Um, in and we had metal detectors. We had like the thing that you go to like the airport security to see if you had some kind of metal. You had to take off your belt. You had to take off your shoes to go into uh, intermediate, middle school and high school. But when you see these shootings, they don't have any of that. They happen in like very, you know, middle income, higher 
middle income, you see the shooting. What do you what do you guys think about that? Like, I think the security should be like uniform for all yeah. everyone. Well, I mean, I, it's hard to to answer that in the sense that yes, let's go hard and let's prevent it. But then, what kind of experience are we creating for our children, where that's the norm? Why does that have to be that norm? And if it's needed, it's needed. But you can, so where where are, as a society are we placing our government funds? Because I can tell you that in the schools, you know, we are so limited. They are so limited to where those funds are going and how they're receiving. And where are we as a society placing our importance? Um, you know, so there's also a lack there. It's not that they don't want to, but how? If I'm a principal at a school and I'm seeing and I'm advocating and I'm advocating and I'm asking for help. And, you know, the school board is trying to, but where is the money coming from? Where are we, you know, how can we create this? Because we did, you know, I can see you, I can tell you that in the, you know, like the 15 years when I started, first started in the school system as a substitute and, and up to a year ago where I, you know, walked out, um, you know, you know, left education for, you know, I could see a change in, in that, in the way we, as a, as a, faculty functioned, you know, back, you know, we did lockdowns was a new thing, you know, now we have to practice lockdown, shelter in place. And what do we do? And how do we do it here and there? And, you know, and it even changed from, we were training to just hide and lock the door to the other treatment was, you know, let's, if we're in a, in a, in a situation, how do we fight to get out? What are some why are we having to do that? We're teachers. We're, we know, I'm not trained to be a squat person. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to I be heard in the police of, department. I've, I've heard <laughs> of states trying to give the teachers like um, firearms for them to train too. Okay. And I was like, that's not what they sign up for. That's not yeah. at all. I, you know, talking about the funding and stuff, I think the money needs to go into mental health, the source of the issue, you know, I think it's the people's mental health that is not being addressed or taken care of that's leading to these things. Um, and I know people beg to differ, you know, with the against gun violence and again, no guns and all that. But I believe that people kill people, right? you know? And so I think that when the money goes into the mental health, like really truly go into mental health, um, I think it's being people are waking up a little bit more and being more aware that this is a huge issue um, and it's going in. But going back to what you were saying, Mariel, about the um, rural areas and the areas that are different. I think that, like, for instance, in Haley's case, she was dealing with transgender and trying to be accepted in her in her family. And because in Asheville, the smaller community where she was from. And then uh, more rural, you know, um, that's another thing. Uh, they're not as open as they are in the city. Like here in Houston, we have, you know, our fabulous uh, Montrose area with our, uh, you know, even rainbows painted on our roads and stuff. You know, we love our community and we let them know it. And so I think that in the rural areas, there's not as much of that. It, and then you play in religion. And now it's really taboo to bring up things like, you know, that don't fit the norm 
in the rural areas. Yeah, you know, I was surprised that when I was looking at the statistics on um, anami.org was that the um, lesbian, gay, and bisexual is 54.3% higher mental illness um, than any other in rural areas. So that tells me that they're not really being supported as much as as they are in the inner cities. And, um, you know, that that's a big thing too. We need to get give our community that support, um, men, money into mental health. I know that here in um, the Southern districts, they started putting bulletproof uh, glass and, you know, people have to get buzzed into the rooms and things like that. And I do hear anxiety rising, like kids that maybe didn't have issues, but it's not going up because of the shootings, because they have to now, even practicing these drills is making them nervous. So um, definitely things have definitely changed, but I think the money needs to go straight to the source of mental illness. There's even bulletproof backpacks now. It's oh scary. Yeah. And uh, I've seen those. Yeah. For example, I remember in when I was in high school, it was and you're right. I think the money needs to go into, you know, therapy, getting counseling, because it was sometimes I, I felt like, yes, don't get me wrong. The kids did something bad, like fighting or, you know, um, they caught them with drugs or something. And um, it was straight to you going to the alternate school. Yeah. But at alternate schools, they're just surrounded by people that are kind of more like them. And so then it gets into the point of is it like prison where, you know, most of the time you come out even worse than when you went in. Yeah. So Uh, I actually worked at an alternative campus. Um, And so it is a different culture. It very. And so the idea is to I mean, one of the things that the district that I was at, you know, they were intentional about placing me there and my position was a student support counselor so i don't know if you know the roles of the counselors typically you have an what we've always had is an academic counselor and you know at the high school they're swamped with having to do pretty much clerical stuff like well building um making sure that credits building schedules making sure credits are in place and so they do have the mental health training but they need help they need support and so like this new, this student support counselor is fairly new within, or, and some people call it a crisis counselor. It's a response because there has been a change in, you know, the requirements of schools, but then where comes the support? And yes, when the idea of setting somebody to, a, to an alternative campus is that it is a consequence for a decision that you made. And, you know, the school is doing the best that they can to create natural consequences, but there also needs to be some support from the family that supports that. And we're not challenging that. And so we did see a lot of that where they're, you know, we're not accepting of the consequence and we're challenging that. And then yes, you come to this alternative setting and the school is functioning in a different way where yes, we can't help it, Everybody was sent here because they breached the code of conduct. But just because you're here doesn't mean that you're a bad person. I used to I, I used to hate it all the time. Oh, you teach at that school with those kids, that those kids that have problems. Newsflash, we all have problems. These kids just got caught. They got caught up. 
so it's also disbunking that you know and anybody i was at the wrong place at the wrong time i was making wrong choices i don't think anybody in this world has has not made a bad decision or a bad choice um and so yes they are exposed and and yeah you do see it's more prevalent than an alternative campus but then it comes to like where is the support you know it, it, i feel like in our edu our education system needs more support instead of getting on TV and ranting about gun violence and gun laws. Okay, yes, let's do that. But let's get our, let's get as a community, let's be a village and let's invest in our children, in our future. And get you to know? the source of where all of that is coming from. Not, I mean, you can't put a bandaid on a broken arm. You have to get to the source of what's really getting our kids like this. And that's where the mental health and the counseling and the support um, comes in. But yeah, Claudia, I completely um, see what you're saying. Now, what about this other side, though? So we have families that just aren't supported, you know, and that's the problem in itself, right? So then that's where sometimes we become the kid's family or they go into gangs because that is now their family, right? They're getting that love and support that they don't get. And so sometimes we come into these bigger barriers for sure. Um, but I think that it always comes down to the source of where all that, where it's coming from. How can yeah, we help them? I agree on that. One of the things that I can say as an educator is that we felt a lot of, I can't speak for everybody, but one, one feeling was like more and more pressure was being placed on the school, on the teachers. Look at all the, I mean, it's part of the duty, but you know, now we're having to train our staff on how to respond and they expect us to do all these things that. I'm a teacher. Let me focus on teaching. Let me do what I do. Let me stay in my lane and go hard. And if you see that there's a that there's a need for more, let's let's look at what we can do to help support our educators in their world because that's where all our kids are going. That's where we can catch. That's where we can fill in the gaps and that's where we can catch them and change and help change the course of their future. Um, but like Anna said, what we're seeing is a lot of resistance, a lot of resistance because we don't agree with what's happening. And it's it's a team effort. And one thing that I would, you know, encourage, you know, our parents to do is connect in with the community. You know, you're like Anna said, you don't have to carry this burden alone. Um, get to know your teach your sons or daughters, teachers, get to know the principals, get to know the counselors, get to know the community. You know, if your kid is involved, out, get them involved elsewhere, you know, in sports and be part of the process and trust the process. And, you know, just like one. in everything, you have Too people. Too much idle that, time. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not going to say, you know, people do have negative experiences with educators or counselors or principals or whatever it may be, but have an open mind and be willing to work through that and ask for help. You know, that's one thing that I'm doing here too. And I'm seeing, I'm educating our parents that are coming here, how to get connected in with their school, because it is, it has to be all connected. You know, we can do all the things in therapy, but if you're not doing the things at home, then we're not working together. So we all need to be connected and uniform in that we're all on that same path to support the child and make sure the child and it's work. I'm not going to say it's easy but it's not impossible 
now that you bring that up, but you know, that's a really good point because it does seem like it's like the families against the teachers, right? Or the principals. Um, but we should probably be joining for sure as a team. Now, however, when I kind of hear some of the things that the kids say that occurs at school and um uh it becomes a little bit cyclical, you know, like the teachers are worn out, so they take it out on the kids, and then the kids will then feel bad about themselves and then they go into the house to all of this other chaos and then it's just a big circle so you know where's the balance where do we keep our teachers sane our kids healthy and our families responding yeah and part of my position in the schools was to support the staff as well to create uh, outlets for self-care um, and so there needs to be more of that to to help. It's there's so much that needs to go into um, pre the preventative piece. Let's be more preventative instead of reactive. If we if we can be more preventative, then we can change the course. And so we don't so that way we don't have to be reactive. So I would like to thank both of you. This was great. You guys. We'll definitely be invited, you guys, for any other podcast. Um, and if you want to book a visit with either Claudia or Anna or any of our other amazing counselors, please go to www.mychn.org or call us at 281-824-1480. We accept anything from private insurance, Medicare, Medicaid, CHIP. And if you don't have insurance, hey, we work with everyone. We let it, you know, we accept everyone. So don't forget to demonstrate your love by sharing this podcast with your friends, family, or giving us a review on Spotify and iTunes. Until next time.